I'd like you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and I want you today to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew is located, uh, what I would encourage you to do is open up to the table of contents. Uh, There you'll find that the Bible is broken up into the Old Testament and New Testament. The book of Matthew is the first book of that second section, the New Testament. So find the New Testament. First book is Matthew. Find the page number, flip over there, uh, and that's where we're going to be, Matthew chapter 6. Now, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, uh, let me tell you a little story about my dad. My dad w- was one of the the greatest men that I've ever known in my life. He, he was one of these guys that was humorous, but in a very dry way. He wasn't one of these guys that laughed all the time and was loud and bolsterous like I am. Um, he was very much reserved and, and, and to himself a little bit. Um, and to get him to laugh was something that you just didn't see very often. But I remember this one time I was in college and, and my mom and dad had come into town to visit friends and it invited me to come join them for dinner at one of the local like Japanese steakhouse places. You know, the place that has the, the bar around the cooking station and the chef comes along and does the tricks and cooks everything thing in front of you. It was one of my dad's favorite restaurants. He loved the action. He loved the smell of the fresh cooked food coming off of the the cooking plate. Uh, And so we're sitting there enjoying the atmosphere. The the chef had not come out to to cook our food quite yet. And I had recently heard a funny joke that I thought my dad would enjoy. So I turned to my dad and I said, dad, I've got this joke. And he goes, okay, tell it to me, son. And and so I told him the joke, expecting him to go, that's funny, which he did not. I told him the joke and he busted out laughing out loud, just laughing so loud that everyone around us could hear. One of the very few moments that I've heard my dad laugh that loud and and that openly. And it was one of those moments I will never forget for the rest of my life. As a matter of fact, I remember the smells from the other tables. I I remember exactly where I was sitting and where my dad was sitting. I I remember the other people at the table. It was one of those moments of intimate life-changing connection. It was one of those moments where I made my father laugh. And I remember every detail to this day. I long for that connection. You see, my dad passed away several years ago. And I look back often and think about the, the things that my dad told me, the lessons that he taught me, the conversations that he and I had. And I sometimes long for that connection. I sometimes miss it. And let me ask you this question. Do you long for connection? Uh, in this day and time, in this world of coronavirus and curfews and everything that's going on, do you miss the connections you've had in the past? I think we all do. But Jesus, luckily for us, Jesus talks about connection today. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to talk about what Jesus tells us about connecting to him uh, today. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 8. Matthew 6, starting in verse 8, and it says this, 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Instead, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's a beautiful passage. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I have fond memories of, of praying the Lord's Prayer as a child and praying the Lord's Prayer uh, with my children. And so there, there's something vital that Jesus is teaching us here. This, is, this prayer, this passage here today is so much more than a, than a heartwarming passage or something connection-wise uh, for us internally. It goes deeper than that. And so before I go any further, I want to give you my big idea. If you've ever watched any of my messages, you know that I give one big idea, and it's, it's like a summary of that week's overall message. And so here's today's big idea. It's simply this, a pattern of prayer provides vital heart care. Let me say that again. A pattern of prayer provides vital heart care. Um, prayer is so vital to our connection with Jesus. As a matter of fact, I think biblically you can make the argument that prayer is the most important way that we connect with our Savior. So, Let's look at this passage for just a moment. Look with me in verse eight, and you're gonna wanna keep your Bibles open because I'm gonna come back to this passage throughout the entire message this morning. But verse eight says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, verse eight is alluding to what we covered last week where uh, towards the end of the passage that we covered last week, it, it mentioned that people would lift up uh, prayers and just repeat things over and over thinking that the number of words they used gave more power uh, or effectiveness to their prayer. And Jesus is saying, don't be like those people for God knows what you need. Why ask then? If God knows exactly what we need, why in the world would we need to pray? If God, who is all-knowing, we know that from God's word, God knows your life, your thoughts, your intentions, he knows your future. So if God knows all of those things, why in the world do we need prayer? Uh, let's go back and think. If you go and read the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, they are the four books that are basically the biographies of Jesus. They tell us the life and the teachings that Jesus uh, lived and taught. Now, if you go through and read those, you're going to often read that Jesus would go off by himself and pray. Now, Jesus was and is the Son of God. He has more connection to God the Father than any being in the universe, in all of existence. So why would he need to pray? He is the Son of God. Why would he need to pray? And it's simply this, it's one word, connection. 
We need to pray. Jesus needed to pray because we need to remain connected to our God, to our Savior. Uh, it's funny because connection is actually one of the values, the four values that we have as First Southern. It's, it's the third one. We have four of them, believe, grow, connect, and serve. And that third one, connect, that's what we're talking about. Connection is so vital to our healthy existence as followers of Jesus. Connecting with our Lord and Savior should be the top priority in our life. That should be the number one most important thing that we do. If we want our heart, if we want our mind, if we want our existence to be healthy, prayer is the first thing that is gonna help us get to that health. That is the first thing that's gonna provide that heart care. And so prayer is a connection point, but this connection point is so much more than just having a conversation with someone. This connection point, prayer, is about connecting and having a conversation with our Lord and Savior, and that conversation in turn changes us from the inside out. Prayer is effective. Prayer changes us. Prayer molds us to be more like our, our God and our Savior. You see, the connection with my dad was about so much more than a friendship or the relationship between a parent and a child. The relationship with my dad was about him actively connecting with me to make me a better person, to teach me about how to live and how to have value. And your connection, my connection with Jesus is meant to do the same thing. Our connection is meant to grow us, to change us, to mold us and make us better. We all too many times view prayer as this obligation or this duty when it's a relational connection point with our Savior. And in turn, our Savior through prayer makes us better followers of Him. And so that's what this connection is all about. And, and Jesus, through the rest of this passage that we're going to look at, he gives us some instructions or uh, some, some ideas of some of the aspects of life that he thinks we should be focusing on and praying for regularly. So let's go back and look at this. Turn with me again. Verse 9 is where we're going to be. So Matthew 6, verse 9, and it says this, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think this, this verse shows us that Jesus wants us to have a personal connection with Jesus, with our Father. You see, he uses the word Father. Uh, our Father in heaven. He doesn't say, oh God in heaven, or almighty in heaven, or ancient of days in heaven, or provide. He uses the word Father, he uses a word that's supposed to connect us as a parent, a loving parent and an adoring child. That's a personal connection point. And so it's a child coming to their father for an intimate, life-changing, meaningful conversation, for a connection that, that is going to have great return. Uh, so Jesus first tells us that 
Prayer is a personal matter. It's a personal connection. And then he says, hallowed is your name. Hallowed basically meaning holy is. Holy is the name of God. The name of God is that holy thing that, that it puts him high and above. His name will be glorified. His name will be honored. And so it's that recognition that he alone deserves our praise. He alone deserves our adoration. He alone deserves our glorification, us glorifying him. And so it's personal and it's honoring, it's, it's praising who he is. Look with me in the next verse, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is about God's will, God's will being enacted and lived out. But what is this asking for in a deeper meaning? Where is God's will? Uh, Everywhere. God's will, when we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for God's will to be done in our hearts and our minds in the lives of our friends and family, in the lives of our work, in the lives of our community, in the lives of our city, in our state, in our nation, and in the world. We're not just talking about God's will in the big picture of of worldwide events. We're talking about God's will being done in our own hearts. That God's will, His purpose, His plan would change us that we would be soft clay in the hands of God and that his will would shape and mold us to look more like him. And I think that right there is probably the most difficult part of this prayer for us to live out practically. You see, prayer is made to change us. And when we pray, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that his will would come in and would change us through his Holy Spirit. You know, so we too often approach prayer in this formal manner that it's this, it has to be this structured and organized conversation and that that we need to approach him in a formal manner when in reality, verse nine tells us, we're supposed to be approaching God as a father, as a child to a father. This is an intimate conversation. And I don't know about you, but I don't have conversations with those I love that are overly formalized or used word, where I use words that I wouldn't use in normal language. When I'm having conversations with loved ones, intimate conversations, I give them the real me. And so all too many times we approach prayer as this formal list, this, the, this list of items that we have to cover, a list of concerns that we have to go through or a, or a checklist that we have to make sure and mark every single time we pray or, or, or on a regular basis. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not a checklist. Prayer is not uh, a formal list of things that we're supposed to be going to the Lord with. 
Prayer is an intimate conversation between a child and their father. That's what prayer is. And so there were times when I was able as a child to to pour my heart out to my dad. There were times when my dad helped me through some very difficult times. Uh, And to be honest, I think it's terrible. It stinks that I can't go to him anymore. It stinks that I can't go to his house and talk to him or call him on the phone. But you know what? I have a father in heaven that loves me even more than my earthly father could ever love me. I have a father in heaven that knows more and has more wisdom to my life than my earthly father ever had. I have a father in heaven that desperately loves me and wants me to come to his feet and give all of me to him. To be honest, to be open with him. That's what prayer is. And so my encouragement to you in this section of what we're talking about in this prayer is, is your prayer conversation with the Lord, is it personal? Is it intimate? And are you praying? Are you truly allowing God to mold you to his will? Are you willing to change through prayer? Something to think about. Uh, Let's look at the next passage, verse 11. Verse 11 says this, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, This part is talking about God providing. It's giving us the things that we need. And let me just say it. Guys, most of us who are watching today as Americans, we have all that we actually need. A lot of times we're praying for wants. Now, we do need to pray for our needs. We need to pray that God would keep a roof over our heads and that he would keep food on our tables and he would provide for our children and grandchildren and et cetera. We need to pray that. But we as Americans, we have abundance. God has blessed us. And so I think part of what we need to be praying in verse 11 is not just give us this day our daily bread, but I think we also need to be praying, God, in Would you also help us to be good stewards of what you have given us? Because we've been given and we've been blessed with so much. And we have so much to give back and bless others with out of that abundance. And so, yes, go to the Lord and ask for him to provide that daily bread. And remember that that prayer is recognizing you and I are totally dependent on God's provision. Without God, we would have nothing. As a matter of fact, the very air that you and I breathe is a blessing from the Lord. We need to pray that God would provide, and we then need to turn and say, God, help us to be good stewards of what you provide. Help us to provide for others as well. Turn with me now into the next passage, verse 12. Verse 12 says this, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven 
our debtors. This is the core of the gospel message. This hearkens to the message of what Jesus came and did for us in his sacrifice on the cross. And so let me take a moment here for just a second. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to stop whatever you're doing. I want you to hear just this quick 60 seconds. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this passage, verse 12, forgive us of our debts as we forgive others of our debtors. This goes back to what Jesus did for everyone on the cross. You see, Jesus was and is the Son of God, as I mentioned before. He lived a perfect sinless life, and at the end of his life, he was hung on a cross. He died, he shed his blood, and by that blood, he became the perfect sacrifice to cleanse us, to forgive us, to rescue us from our sins. You see, we are all sinners. We have all disobeyed God's perfect will. And because we have done that, because we're criminals, because we've broken that law, we deserve the punishment that is rightly ours. But because Jesus died on a cross and shed his blood for us, we don't have to pay that price. We don't have to pay that punishment. Jesus, through his death, rescued us from that punishment. What we rightly deserve, we're not getting. We're not getting the punishment that we should get. Instead, we're receiving a perfect, eternal existence with him. We're receiving mercy and we're receiving grace because Jesus forgives us through the blood. Not only did he die on the cross, but on the third day after his death, he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven. He sits right now at the right hand of God the Father. And hear me clearly, your sin, there are consequences to it. And you can be rescued from the consequences of your sin. If you believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God, that he died on a cross to save you from your sins, that he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death, if you believe that and you allow him to come and change your life and you live your life submitted to him, then you can be saved, you can be rescued, and you can know exactly where you will spend your eternity. You can spend it in heaven, in a perfect existence with God the Father. Now, if you're curious, I know I've given a lot to you. If you're curious, if you've got questions, if you want to know more, or if you have a decision, you want to make a decision today, don't stop what you're, or don't hesitate. I want you to stop what you're doing right now. I want you to send me a direct message or send me an email. I want you to reach out right now. Take the time, send an email. You can direct message or send it to chad at fsbcs.org. Send me an email right now and I would love to call you at this very moment and have a conversation and answer your questions and lead you into what this looks like. And if you're ready to make the decision to lead you into the next steps in your journey with Jesus, don't hesitate. Reach out right now. Direct message or chad at fsbcs.org. Reach out now, don't hesitate. But this passage, verse 12, forgive us of our debts as we forget our debtors. This is all about what Jesus did for us on the cross. You see, each and every one of us have sinned more times than we could ever count. And Jesus has forgiven you and he's forgiven me 
of every last one of those sins. He has taken every single one of the sins that we've committed and he has taken them on himself. He has forgiven you of so much. He's given you mercy and grace. But we need to recognize it. We need to speak it. We need to be mindful and step back and look at our life and see what are the sins that I have a tendency to fall into? What are the temptations that tend to suck me in? We need to recognize them so that we can live out the very next passage. So look with me now in verse 13. Verse 13 says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is very clearly saying that, that we know that we're sinners and we need his help to overcome our sin. So first off, we need to be forgiven. We need to recognize what sins we tend to go to, what temptations we're sucked in by. And then recognizing those, we need to turn away from them and live a life that is righteous, that is uh, part of repenting or turning away, walking away from our sins and temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He has provided a way to escape your temptations and sins. He's given you a way out. And verse 13 is us asking him to give us the strength and the courage that we need in order to turn away from that sin and temptation, in order to say, I recognize what it is and I'm going to go the other way. Because sometimes, first off, it's hard and sometimes we may not want to turn away. So we need his strength and we need his courage to recognize it and walk away. It's only through the power of Jesus that we have this ability. You and I cannot resist temptation and sin without Jesus. It's just not possible. And so this is what is being asked in verse 13 is that he would help us to turn away from those temptations, to walk away from evil. And so that's what that's talking about there. But I want to go back to the very last part of verse 12 where it says, and help us or let us forgive our debtors. We are called, since we've received so much forgiveness, to forgive others. But look at what the next passage says. Look with me in verse 14 now. For, you are for, for if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hear me clearly on this. This is a very black and white issue biblically. We are called to forgive others. And it doesn't matter if they des if you feel like they've earned or deserve your forgiveness. It doesn't even matter if they ask for your forgiveness. God forgave you even when you never deserved it. He forgave me when I was an enemy to him. And so when we withhold our forgiveness, 
We dirty, we dishonor the forgiveness that he's given to us. He has forgiven you and I more times than we could ever count. And he asks you and I in return to go and then do the same thing with others. That we unconditionally forgive, we limitlessly, we without limit, without boundary, forgive others. And what he says in verse 14 and 15 is a strong statement. He basically says, listen, if you're going to forgive others, I'm going to go and present that forgiveness for you to the Father. But if you're not willing to forgive others, your heavenly Father won't forgive you. This is not something to take lightly. This is something we should take very, very seriously. We should be continuously examining ourselves and examining the people around us and our connections and relationships so that we can ensure that we are forgiving people. This is a huge issue in the eyes of our Savior, not to be taken lightly. So forgive others. Now, what we've just looked at is kind of a a model, uh, an example of what prayer might look like, some issues that Jesus would have us go to and pray about. Now, there are things that are in this prayer that I think you should pray for every every time or every day or whatever. But there are things that are not mentioned in this prayer that we absolutely should go to the Lord and bring to him. Uh, Philippians chapter four says that we're supposed to bring all of our worries and our anxieties to him uh, and that through prayer and supplication and thankfulness that he will take those from us and replace it with a peace that, that surpasses our understanding. So Jesus didn't mention that here, but Jesus wants us to, to pray and give our worries and our anxieties to him. There's a lot of worry and anxiety in the world today. And we need to be going to the Lord all the time with these things. Uh, so, so pray, pray for your friends, pray for pastors, pray for missionaries, pray for leaders of our, of our governments, of our local, state, national, and world governments. We need to be praying for all of them. There, there's just so much that we need to be praying for on a regular basis. And so spend time praying. But prayer is not for Jesus's benefit. Remember, my big idea was that a pattern of prayer provides vital heart care. Prayer is not about providing something that Jesus needs. Prayer is about providing something that we need. Prayer is for our benefit. You know, we have no power in this world outside of Jesus. If we want to have victory spiritually, we need Jesus. And we need to go to Jesus and be connected to him through prayer to get that. Um, Let me ask you this just very plainly. How many of you have ever struggled with prayer? I know I have. I've struggled with prayer many times in my life. I've struggled with prayer in the last two months. Prayer is something that I struggle with regularly. But prayer is so important. And I think there are two primary reasons why we stop praying sometimes. I think the first reason is this. I think sometimes we just get too lazy. I think we 
uh, kind of get lazy with our relationship with our Savior, uh, and we kind of take it for granted, and we things are good or things are bad, and we just get lazy or tired of it or whatever, and, and we just need to put that effort back into our connection with Jesus. And let me tell you, that can be overcome quite easily. You know, for me, it's about accountability and it's about putting systems in my life to build a habit of prayer, to reignite that habit of prayer and that passion for prayer. And so if you're just struggling with the laziness aspect or the willpower to pray, uh, ask somebody to help you with that. Ask somebody to regularly uh, talk with you on the phone and pray on the phone together. And maybe the two of you build a habit of prayer together. Maybe you put a reminder in your calendar or on your device that goes off to remind you to pray every day. I don't know what that looks for you, but do something to build in, to reignite that habit of prayer. It's vital. Your heart, my heart, will wither away spiritually without prayer, giving it the care that it needs. So I said two primary reasons why we don't pray. The first one being that sometimes we're, we're just lazy or we're burned out or we just don't want to put the effort forth. I think the second one, and this one's much harder, is that many times we just don't trust God with everything. We just stop trusting Jesus with some of the things that we struggle with or we think are big or with things that we value at a really high level. And so we, we don't want to go to God because we don't want to give up our control or our trust in something other than him. Uh, and so we, we give up prayer or we pray less because uh, we don't want to give up that sin. You know, we've got some sin in our life and we, we enjoy that sin. And so we, we don't go to God because we don't want to give that up to him. We don't want to trust him with that. Uh, sometimes maybe we don't want to give up trust in some system or some government or <clears throat> some politician that, that we've placed our trust in. Maybe a political party uh, or some uh, thing that's in the news. We, we trust ourselves or we trust that uh, other thing and therefore we don't pray the way we should. Or maybe it's that we're not willing to submit our dependency on our relationship with Jesus. Maybe we're just not willing to be 100% dependent on him. And that's hard. That can be a difficult thing to, to recognize and even harder to change within us. But I think it goes back to the same thing. If you're beginning to recognize that your prayer life is suffering because you're not willing to give up something or give him the full trust of some aspect of your life, then maybe you need to go to someone and say, hey, I'm struggling in prayer here. Can you help me? Or, or maybe you need to reach out to one of our pastors or me, or maybe you need to put a reminder, some kind of system in your life to, to make sure that that prayer is happening so that you, that prayer can then in turn change you and make you trust and depend on Jesus. Either way, <clears throat> prayer molds our hearts to trust and submit to Jesus fully. Without prayer, 
Our lives will never reflect Jesus. Our lives will never be changed by Jesus. We will never have the life-changing hope of Jesus. Prayer is key to all of those things. If you want your heart to be in alignment with your Savior, then you must figure out how to have a healthy prayer life with your Lord. So let me close by asking you this. What is hindering your connection with Jesus? I would encourage you to call it out today. Look back. What has stopped you from praying, from connecting with your Savior? Call that out and put the systems in place. Do the things that are necessary to overcome whatever that is that keeps you from that connection point. Prayer, the pattern of prayer, provides vital heart care. We all need that heart care. Our, our hearts cannot survive spiritually without prayer. What do you need to change in your life today to make prayer a more vital part of your life? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you, Lord. First off, for prayer, we thank you that you're a God that loves us so much that you desire to connect with us, that you have given us a way to personally and intimately approach you and bring all of our concerns, all of our worries, our anxieties, our sin, our temptations, our struggles. You want all of it. And we thank you that you love us so much that you give us a way to bring all of this to you. And Lord, I pray for every person watching and listening right now. And I pray that you would help them to see, open their eyes and their minds and hearts to see the ways that they are being held back in their connection with you. Lord, I pray that you would help people to see how to strengthen their connection with you through prayer. Help us to be a people of prayer. And Lord, I pray most of all that through that prayer, you would change our hearts, that you would mold us and shape us into the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Help us to recognize our need and our dependency to you. Help us to live a life of prayer and for that prayer to change us. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.